calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. world and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In, the podcast where I talk to fellow actors about their journey and then they share with me an audition story or two. We have a lot of fun each week. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now and leave us some love. Um, As I mentioned last week, I am pre-recording these as I'll be on set, so I won't have time to do this then. So here we are, friends. We are pre-recording. What do I have going on? I have been doing trapeze every Sunday at my friend's house, and it has been so much fun and so difficult, and I have so many bruises everywhere. Um, It's it's honestly alarming, (laughs) but it's so fun, and I love it so much, and it's just a great way to get a full workout in, Um, and it's I'm getting better, and I feel very proud of that. Anywho's a call. Today on the show, we have Keith Arthur Bolden. He has been in so much. Um, just to shout out a few of my favorite shows he's been in. He's been in The Haunting of Hill House, Cobra Kai, Lovecraft Country, um, and he has a new show called Terror Lake Drive, which is on All Black, a fantastic network. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely should. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Keith. And welcome to the show, Keith. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, You have been in some of my favorite television shows, so I cannot wait to get to that. Um, (laughs) But first off, I just want you to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. You have such an extensive history in this business, and I I would love for them to know what what got you into this world and why you chose acting as your your full-time profession. <laughs> wow. Uh, it, it, it chose me in a wild way. Um, that's a long story, longer story. Um, but I, you know, it's funny you get to this point and people look at you and they say you have a career and uh, as an artist, I'm just doing the work, you know, mm. I, I um, you know, you, you never know if you're making the right choice sometimes or if 
this choice will lead to another choice. So you just keep doing the work, keep your head down. When you look up, oh, I'm on some TV shows. We've got some billboards happening, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I think that I have been, well, I know that I have been an artist my whole life, even though it was not cultivated mm. uh, in my home. Um, not in a negative way, just I just think my parents couldn't wrap their mind around this young black kid wanting to sew or wanting to dance or wanting yeah. to be on TV, you know. And so uh, I wrote my first play before I'd even seen a play. What? Uh, yeah, it's wild. I, I My parents were avid churchgoers and so was I. I grew up at a, a church in Los Angeles called Crenshaw Christian Center, non-denominational. Hmm. And uh, it was... They were talking about Christmas. They were talking about the birth of Christ. And I want to write a play about the birth of Christ. And I did. Um, and and we, I produced it in my living room with my cousins. I, I have a lot of cousins. My mom, my mom, had, it was 13 brothers and sisters. So I have a lot of cousins. Oh, my Lanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless your grandmother. And so we did it. We, the play was like 20 minutes long. We did a command performance right after because there were some family members who were late. Yeah. And so and we did it, but nobody from those people in attendance, nobody's looked at it and said, hey, you know what? I think he's got something. I think we should put him in school. It was just, I did that thing and just went away. Mm. And so it went dormant for years. But prior to that, I was drawing. I was, I, I was just trying to do everything to express myself. That's so interesting. I wonder if, you're, if your family just thought, well, he has a extensive imagination. Probably. Probably, but you know, it's, it's a generational thing. My, my, um, all of my aunts and uncles are from Louisiana, Natchitoches, mm. Louisiana, which is the oldest parish in Louisiana, which I just visited last week. Um, and it's, it's interesting driving through that state and thinking about all the enslaved people who, who have been there, you know, and that's how my family yeah. got there. And yeah. I don't even know how the history of it. And so they were civil workers, you know, hard workers, blue collar workers, lower than blue collar workers. And they moved to, I had one, one aunt who moved to Los Angeles to get things started and then just sent for her brothers and sisters. And they, wow. and they, and they, and they just kind of, we kind of, our family migrated to Los Angeles, not for hopes and dreams of being actors, but you know, actually, <laughs> actually John Wayne shot, they shot a movie in, in Natchitoches, Louisiana, a, a, a Western movie. No way. They needed some poor looking black kid. And my mom was in that movie. And so were some of my aunts and uncles. Oh my um, gosh. But not really knowing what they were doing, you know what yeah. I mean? And so so my mom used to dance on Soul Train. So I think there was a there was there was an artistic undercurrent in my family. Heck yeah. I mean mama was in a movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and she was and she used to dance with rerun, you know, she used to pop lock, do her thing. Uh, um uh and, and but um I don't think anybody just they, they just didn't put any any work behind they just didn't know how to access that, how to right. access that work. And so I just think they wanted me to get a job, get, um, get my degree. They didn't mm -hmm. care what it was in, so I can get a, a job, a civil service job, so I can retire. Like um, uh, most people do, you know, yeah. I want to get a job and a, and a pension and stuff like that. And so when I went to college, like when as a journalism major, oh wow, because I, wanted, I wanted to be a film critic because I never thought that I could actually be in film, but I loved movies, loved movies. Um, wow. And then the, they brought in the first. African-American professor in the theater department at Fresno State, where I attended. Mm. He came around to the university one-on-one classes and recruited for a play he was directing called The Color Museum by George C. Wolfe. Mm -hmm. And I went and auditioned. I got cast. And I 
I changed my major. Yeah, you caught the bug. I caught the bug. I was still having fun, you know, and it actually, it didn't really dawn on me. That was 1991. Mm. It didn't really settle in until three years after graduate school in 2004. Wow. What it really took to to be a working artist, to be in, to, to, to do something with your nose, to not let your nose get you down, yeah. right? As you get nose, keep your nose up. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I, so it's, so my career um, is a surprise to me. I think a lot of my family too. Yeah. I love but what you just said. If you get nose, keep your nose up. I just came up with that one. <laughs> um, yeah. We're going to write that down and uh, that down. you need to copyright that and put it on some shirts and start selling yes. it. Yes. Um, I'll tell my wife to jump on that now. Hey, yeah. hon. <laughs> Get the cricket out. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. It's yeah. it's interesting. So you didn't you didn't really fully dive into it then until after graduate school. What did you what did you go to graduate school for? I went to the University of Illinois, Champaign Urbana, where I mm-hmm. met my wife. Huh. And for the first year and a half, we we kept booking shows together. We weren't married yet. We had just started dating right before grad right before we graduated, like a month before we graduated. And um, unbeknownst to any of the producers, we kept auditioning for things um, and we kept getting cast together. That is adorable. Um, yeah. One thing in particular, I like telling this, this short story. I'll tell the short version. I had got, I was going to move to Chicago. We had done a tour of a, 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 a children's theater piece called uh, A Reading Odyssey. Hmm. It's uh, based on Homer, Homer's Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And so it was just me and her. We put 30,000 miles on a car in two and a half months, driving throughout the South, going to libraries, right? This is and so I, cute. I'm going to cry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, and I tell her this. I tell her this. I say, there are a lot of relationships that failed in the pandemic, right? Mm. People started to realize the person they were living with was not the person they thought they were. Mm-hmm. I, tell, I tell my wife, I say, you know, in that summer, we spent the equivalent of 10 years together. Because couples true. don't, you know, they only come together at nighttime, you know, and go to sleep, come wake up the next morning, and they live for the weekends. But yeah. 30,000 miles, you only put 12,000 miles on a car in a year, usually, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of time we spent together. That's the basis of our relationship. Wow. But I was moving to Chicago. I was going to move to Chicago. She got a job at St. Louis Black Repertory Theater, and she was moving. I went to my first day of rehearsal at uh, Child's Play Theater in Chicago. Great day of rehearsal. And mm. in, the, in the, the day, they took us in to sign our contracts. We were standing in line. I think I was third. While I was waiting, I got a phone call on my next telephone. Yes. It was a St. Louis Black rep. I had submitted, unbeknownst to Tanache at the time, I had submitted my headshot and resume. Oh, my gosh. Right? Um, and they called me right before I walked in with a straight offer to join the the, the traveling company for that year. Oh my I didn't gosh. know I was with her, right? So I go into the room. I say, hey, I've had an amazing day here. But I just got this job offer where my girlfriend is going to go. And, and I, I'm kind of in love with this girl. And it was, it was a brother. I can't remember his name. He took my contract. He said, go get her. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> I didn't even talk to her about it. I just, I just and I left. I said, well, thanks. You know, I hadn't even stayed a night in my apartment yet. I moved oh in the day gosh. before. 
and I stayed with her and her dad in, in Evanston. And then I went to work from there and, and I had to move out, subsequently move out of that apartment. So yeah, we, we, we got a bit of a story. That's just oh my God, that is so so beautiful and so cute. And I need some freaking tissues. I didn't know I was gonna oh, need no. tissues for this. Okay, we're good, we're good. Um, that's the most amazing, beautiful love story. Um, I'm so happy it's for still, you guys. It's okay. still going. It's still I love going. that, I love that. So, okay, you you know, are, you're traveling, you're doing theater, you're doing all this. Um, did you come back out to LA? How did the, the mm. TV career kind of start? Because you've done so many roles on so many different television shows and you've had some great arcs on some of them too so when did that come into play for you you know i did okay so i literally did time i did time in st louis i did time in richmond i did time in new york i did time in pennsylvania i did time in la i've done done all these places right and and first first three years i did children's theater Mm. which you know for me cutting my teeth doing that I, I, you know, children are the most honest audience you're going to get. Um, True. And I played a lot of different characters and a lot of improvisation, which is kind of, I'm, I'm very organic and kinesthetic in that way. And so it, they kind of fed into what I wanted to do. And then I kind of grew out of that. The last children's theater play I did was called um, Forever Free, the Black oh. South Carolina Regiment. It was a, a story about the first first uh red, the black regiment in the um wow. in the civil war yeah and so i played this guy named yakko uh and i got my equity card doing that mm. i have a story about that to remind me um, write that but, down. um yakko? i i i moved we got married in 2007 mm-hmm. i had a great i had a great living situation in brooklyn but i knew as i got married i couldn't continue that situation and so we were looking for a spot and it was just too expensive but i I had, my uncle had a rent control department in South Pasadena, 300 bucks a month. Whoa. One bedroom. Yeah, I know, right? So we, he said, we can live there. So we, we moved there and we, we did that for a year. And then mm. we decided to get into property management. And so we were managing Smart. property while we were act, acting. I was working at Beverly Hills High as a textbook coordinator. Mm. Um, Tanasha was pretty much handling the day-to-day building stuff. Uh, and I was doing, we did a few plays here and there, not a lot of TV, just we moved there right before the last strike. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I did, but I did more plays in LA than I did in New York. Isn't I did more funny? challenging plays in LA. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not commercial theater, so it doesn't get pumped up. But there's yeah. more theater in LA. Well, I don't know, it's probably changed with the 99 seat con- contract. Yeah, the new mm. contract has kind of messed it up, but. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I did more challenging theater in L.A. Hmm. than I did in New York. Because in New York, you move to New York to not be in New York because all the regional theaters auditioned there. So I was always out of town six months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did I did Jim of the Ocean, August Wilson twice in L.A. I wow. did a play called Neighbors where I had to perform blackface. Uh, um, I did Raising in the Sun. Uh, I, I did this play called Blood and Thunder, which was around Hurricane Katrina. We took that to Alaska. I, I just I just what? did a... Yeah, and so I applied for a job to teach. I always, well, I've always been a, a, an educator, a professor since I got my MFA. Mm. Uh, and there was a job that came open at Spelman College. And so I applied for that job at Spelman College and uh, subsequently got it. And I knew there was theater here, but I didn't know that there was this burgeoning film and television industry here. Mm. And so 
I always say that we we left New York too early. We got to LA too late. <laughs> but Atlanta was right on time in, yeah. in terms of where our resumes were, our skill sets were. Um, I mean, I I I work more than I auditioned in LA for TV and film. So what? 99% of, yeah, yeah. 99% of things that I do here um, are filmed here in Atlanta. Mm. Uh, but they're, they're mostly black themed shows, right? So the, the in LA I find I found because of where I was in my career, my age, I was just up against people who have been doing it recognizable names and faces right. so i just i wouldn't even get in the door but here it wasn't about that you know some of the most of the roles are supporting roles mm-hmm. taking the story along i'm not taking too much focus um but that's that's changed in the last few years now i'm getting a few more bigger roles larger roles so yeah so what was that like first because there's a couple specific ones i want to talk about but what was the first show that you filmed in atlanta that you were like Oh dang! Like this is gonna, this is gonna kick me off. Like this, this specific TV show is gonna help the trajectory of my my career. Well, you always hope, right? You think, right. You, <laughs> you hope so, every one of them does it. <laughs> you know I mean, I, I did uh, the first big thing I booked, which was within my first, my second year here. I think it was Goosebumps, the movie with Jack Black. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just thought that was gonna do something for me, and. I don't. I don't think it moved the needle in terms of um, my popularity or, or even my, my quote. But what it did do is it, it proved to cast and director that I'm dependable, right? And that I, I'll show up and do my job, mm-hmm. and I don't come. I come with a lot of experience. Well, know? yeah, it's it's like a it's like a perfect little reference almost. Like your resume is really your references. Here's the people that I have worked for. Yeah, and especially if you get hired more than once, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, that was that was the big thing, the first big thing. And then um, I thought that sure, I need to look at my resume. <laughs> okay, well, I will <laughs> tell you the because there's several <laughs> ones that I want to talk about, but um, the Haunting of Hill House was like one of my favorite television shows just ever made. I mean, I think Mike Flanagan is a flipping genius. Yeah. So I would love to know what that set was like and what that experience was like for you. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't scare easily, but I don't like things. I'm a brother, so I don't like things popping up at a corner. <laughs> and so what they were doing on set was they just had these. If you go back and watch it, they had like ghosts just in the. Oh yeah. Just, oh, I'm hanging out. This is one of the few series I've watched like three or four times over because really? I am so. I think it's just the the artistry that is weaved throughout it is so stunning because you're always finding something new. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I did that audition. It was a late night audition. Um, like, it was like eleven or twelve o'clock at night, and at the time I wore glasses. You know, mm. I've had LASIK since. <laughs> but <laughs> and, um, I remember being frustrated with myself because it was. 15 pages mm. and I couldn't remember it all and I was using the script in my glasses I remember being frustrated by that but it, I think they got me the role because I, I made my character I can make my glasses a character of choice you know taking right. them off looking through them looking over them um, but Mike told me he's like yeah you were my first choice so wow. it was and I was already a fan of his work you know I, yeah. I had been um Hush is like one of my favorite. Oh my movies, gosh, right? such a great film! Yeah. So good, and I was, such I was a showing it to cool students. concept. 
Yes, amazing. And she was his wife. She was so amazing yeah. in that movie, right? She's incredible. I could not, I could not get enough of that movie. So, um, unfortunately for me on, on Hill House, I didn't get to work with a lot of the cast. But I was yeah. sitting there, and <clears throat> excuse me, I was sitting across from Henry Thomas. I'm like, mm. this, is, this is Elliot. I'm sitting across from ET, Elliot. right? And then, <laughs> and then prior to that, I had just shot Cobra Kai. I'm right. sitting across from Daniel LaRusso, you know, and I'm, I'm living my whole childhood dream right here, never thinking that I could do what they did. And here I am acting with them. Yeah. Um, it, it was a realization for me, all in Atlanta. Mm. It was a realization for me that I have been manifesting this thing. Or I am the, and not that my mother and father specifically prayed for my success, but they always prayed for my coverage. Mm. And so in my life, I'm benefiting off of people's prayers for me, including my wife's prayers for me. These are, these are my, um, these are my dreams. Um, but I've never been good about manifesting my dreams, and I'm learning to do that now to speak life, speak power into the things yes. that I want. Um, because I am, I have always I been that. the biggest naysayer. Well, I feel that it's hard. It's hard as an artist to keep that that positivity and you know manifest in that way because you know like you said we're he we hear no all the time every day is a no a different no for a different thing and so it's difficult to speak it into reality and to say no this is what i'm doing this is how i'm going to end up and this is where you know what i'm doing next and how i'm getting yeah. there yeah. um but I, I think I, it I, sounds I, like I, you have found a good balance with it i think i have i think i have i i I think the artists are super, superheroes, you know, true yeah. artists are superheroes because we are putting, we are making choices and hope, and hoping that they're received mm -hmm. by whoever. We're always looking for acceptance, but we have so much rejection that I don't, I don't sweat the rejection. No, you know, I, I, some people might have to lock the medicine cabinets, but I, <laughs> I, I use now. I, I've gotten to the point. It was shortly after I moved here. It's been, maybe why LA didn't work for me at the time is I wouldn't I didn't know how to let go of things I auditioned for. Mm, yeah, that's now, a tough tough lesson to learn. It's a numbers game now, so if I do an audition, I can memorize about a page a minute. Um, I'll, if I got an audition now, I can have it recorded and sent within an hour. Yeah, I, I, and that's 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 the skill set. I just shot something in New Orleans. And I mean, I got to set that day with the papers yesterday mm -hmm. and I came, they were already rehearsing my scene. I just had to jump right in. Yeah. It is Paula Patton. You know, it's not, you should jump in and do the work. You can't be mesmerized by somebody's stardom or beauty. You right. have to jump in and do the work. Go and then the let work. them, that, then let them be moved by your work. And then I'll, now you're on the same page. I think it's also important to you for, for actors who are listening to this, um, to know that you should be. In my opinion, it's better to do that self-tape audition right away. If you are right at home and you have it, do it right away. The longer yeah. you sit on it, the longer that you read it, the longer that you get like obsessive over it. Yeah. Not only does it take away like the the realness that you're going to bring to the character, but it also starts to create this message in your head where it's like I need to I need to book this. I need to book this. I need to book this. Cause the longer that it sits there, yeah. the more you're going to become attached. 
I used to psych myself out going to audition rooms and I would get there early and then I start sizing up the competition. That would throw me off. That's wrong. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. You know, get there to get there. Stay, stay, you know, it's not a reunion. Yeah. If you want if if you want to hang out with me, we can hook up after the audition. Right. Text me but after. You are not gonna throw me off in this room. Mm-mm. Yeah. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Um... So you briefly touched on Cobra Kai, but I also want to bring up what I think is one of HBO show HBO's best shows ever, which is Lovecraft Country. Um, I thought that that show was like the most, I don't even know. I mean, I had read the book and it's difficult to have imagined that they could do what they did. And when they didn't get a second season, I was like, excuse me, what? Yeah. What? I don't. I, I don't know. You know. I don't know what Misha's working on. Misha Green, the creator. I don't know what she's working on now, but she's brilliant. You know. Brilliant. It was the second time I worked with her. I worked with her on Underground as well. Wow. Yeah. And she didn't get a third season, which it should have, right? Yes. So these, 
these black stories that she's telling that have never been told the way that they're being told, I think, hmm, I think that there is a, there are uh, mechanisms out there that are trying to stifle the storytelling. Mm. Because for Lovecraft Country, I mean, essentially the show was saying that it all starts with us. It all starts right. with black. And there is a superpower to us that you're trying to get. You're trying to get the melanin. And mm-hmm. so you're telling this story, people don't want to see that. Or they're afraid to see that, especially in this climate that we're in now. And I'm, I'm hopeful still that there will be some type of unifying thing mm-hmm. to where people are just will appreciate the human race. You know, just mm-hmm. think, be altruistic. Think about the other person more than you think about yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and if everybody's doing that, then we're all we're all doing that work. You know. Well, and you know that that show it really, like you said, it had this. It was entertaining if you didn't want to find the deeper message, right? You could just watch yeah. it to watch it. Yes. But there yes. was this beautiful storytelling underneath, mm-hmm. you know, just the the spectacle of the magic and this, the other stuff yeah. that was happening. And I, I felt like it was such a such an awe-inspiring way to tell a, like, fantastical scientific fantasy story. Yeah. And that's why I was so upset when it got – and it got canceled because I was like, there's no, there's no reason that this should have happened. Like, <laughs> this, this needs all yeah. the seasons. I want to watch all of them. I want to watch all of them. You know, I, like, imagine I shot that scene. It was a day we shot. It was two days. I think it was two days. But I didn't have any other papers. They just gave yeah. me that scene. Yeah. I had no idea what the show was about. Oh my God. Uh, I didn't read the source material before. So you're just, you're playing the circumstances of the moment. Mm-hmm. You're playing it as truthful as you can. And then when the show came out, I was like, oh my God, I'm in this. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm glad for me. I, I didn't, my character didn't need to know all the other stuff. Right. And I think as, a, as an actor, it probably would have thrown me off thinking about the, 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 the hyper realism and the, the, mm-hmm. the magical part of it. No, I'm, I am a man who probably fought in a war who was protecting his family. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so, yeah, that episode eight. Yeah. Is, uh, it's funny. It's interesting. Episode eight of Lovecraft Country and episode eight of uh, Watchmen both revolved around Tulsa. And oh, the, yeah. And the riot. And, and the I mean, the yeah, that, that episode with the Tulsa riots was, I mean, I remember just watching it with, like, my, my jaw on the floor, essentially. Yeah. Because yeah. it was, it's, it's probably, I still haven't watched Watchmen. So for me, oh. I think that was the first time I had seen a representation of the Tulsa riots massacres. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just left in complete shock. And then I went down the rabbit hole of what actually happened in Tulsa. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, right? I didn't learn and about that just, in school. That's just one community. That's just right. one. Right. Can you imagine I was sitting on my deck a few months ago, and I was just sitting there enjoying, having some wine. And I was talking to my friend. I said, you know, there was a time in the world where a white guy could just come up on here and say, this is mine. Mm. You have to get out. And I'm like, what? Who, who gives anybody the right to, I'm just enjoying life. So when I think about Black Wall Street and what happened to those people, yeah, there's something, there's something so uh, evil. Yeah. About not liking someone because they have more than you or 
they seem to have more than you, you know? Anyway, oh, hey. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, truth that needs to be talked about so that it's regular to talk about it. I don't think we can get past it if we don't talk about it. Right. You know, I, I just don't, it's part of the history. Mm-hmm. There's a great documentary on Netflix right now. I'm publishing it. I mean, we're on a podcast, but who we are, Jeffrey Robinson. Who we are. Who we are. And it goes into the entire history of anti-blackness and, and super mm. white supremacy in this country. Uh, and it's not, it's not, it's not condemning. It's just understanding where at this tipping point when King was shot and then it all just kind of rolled back down. We were making strides and then we have not been able to get Mm -hmm. back to that point now. And so you should watch this video. I'm definitely going to, it it goes back. I'm, I'm currently back in college (laughs) and I just, are are you, are you? (laughs) Yeah. Are you studying? I'm studying political science. Um, so, you know, um, but I just had a, a history class, a modern European history class, and we talked a lot about historical revision, revisionism mm. um, in this course. And it's it's interesting to even watch it like happening in real time right now, these weird revisionist theories that are just constantly being, being told like it's reality. And it's just so, right. it's so crazy to me. And so much of, you know, what I feel like um, kids learned in school, especially like at my age and and younger or older, um, there was so much revisionism, so much that we didn't learn that everyone just kind of like skip past. Oh, it ended. Slavery ended. We're fine. Great. Move on. Oh, what? You gotta watch. I mean, you, you gotta watch this thing. This one, this one guy holding a Confederate flag and you know saying it's not any has nothing to do with slaves. And- <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, they were happy. They were like family. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay, great. Fantastic. That's, a, that's another uh, podcast. That's a political yeah, yeah, no, podcast. That's, that's going to be a different one. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Well, to move on from that. Um, but that's the kind of work show, we have to do, though. I'm sorry. It is. I'm sorry. So, because most of the stuff I do is in, 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 um, grounded in blackness. All the show, Black Lightning, mm-hmm. Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. you know, even Cobra Kai, I'm a black character in that world. So I, yeah. it, I I can't really not talk about race because it's a major part of how I identify, how people identify me. Yeah. Right. So. Well, and it's like you said, it's you have we have to talk about it. Yeah. We need yeah. everybody to be like, cool. Got it. Yeah. And if we well, don't talk about it. Space, I appreciate of you. Of course. I appreciate you. Um. So on the show, we like to share audition stories. Uh-huh. So that can be um, bad ones. It can be sad ones. Mm. It can be the one that got away. Is there one that you would like to, to share with the listeners? Sure. So <laughs> I was doing, a, I was doing a, a play at a now defunct theater in the Midwest. And the day before tech rehearsal, I was released from the contract. I was the lead in the show. The Shakespeare show. Oh. Devastating. Devastating. The way it was done was uh, it was devastating. Almost like, oh, I can't do this. I have other skills. So I drove back to New York and I did a um, uh, I went to Actors Connection where they you know they bring in casting directors. You can yeah. pay a fee to meet the casting director and do a monologue. Well, James Caleri was coming in. Very hard to get him, but they had one spot that became available. I'm like, oh, this is kismet. And I knew he was casting a raisin in the sun that they were doing at Harper Stage. Right? Oh, wow. 
So it's very strategic. Um, and so I went in and I did a monologue. And he said, I was the last one to go. He said, huh. He said, um, you know, casting a raisin in the sun, right? I said, yes, I did. <laughs> he said, uh, can you come in tomorrow and meet the director for a callback? I said, uh, yeah. He said, it's Sorette's guy. I said, I know Sorette because Sorette had just directed my wife, my girlfriend at the time, in a play, right? Oh, my gosh. So I go in. And she's like, oh, hey, Keith, you know. I said, hey. So I do the, do the scene. Do it one time. I had a hat on. I did this stuff. And and she was like, oh, wow, gosh, that was great. That was great. Thanks for coming in, Kevin. I said, oh, God. I said, no problem. And I left. And she called me Kevin. I was so bad she forgot my name. <laughs> Lord Jesus, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So, so I left. <laughs> I left. Few weeks go by. I'm like, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I, I I would hear something. So I call casting and I say, Hey, just wondering if you all have, have completed casting yet. And she says, uh, Your manager didn't call you. You booked it. I said, No, she didn't call me. Great. So I'm what? on cloud nine. I'm on cloud nine. I'm doing it. And so I get the job and I still had to pay my manager. Um, but it's <laughs> funny. It's funny. The, the job I got released from, I. I was doing a show in Jersey at Keene University, Premier Stages. I was doing their first show, and my, my oldest son was with me. I came into the city to do this audition for this play, Winter's Tale. And I came in and did it. She gave me some adjustments, went outside, came in, and I left. And within five minutes, I get a call from her offering me the job. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was her. I was the last, again, I was the last person that she saw that day. Um, but uh, that job didn't work out. But I think everything worked out the way it's supposed to because mm-hmm. I, this other job that I got, Raising in the Sun, I have lifelong friends from that. Yeah. Um, um, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't really talk to anybody from that other show, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but these, these uh, Billy Eugene Jones, Warner, Joseph Miller, uh, Linda Gravatt, I, I mean, just really, really good, close friends. Um, actually, I, I just saw Billy a couple weeks ago, so. I, everything happens for a reason. That is correct. Yes. Everything does. Everything does. And, you know, I'd just like to touch on um, the fact that you were the last to go in for both auditions. I've always thought that if it's an in-person audition, it's always best to be either the first or the last. You either want to set the bar or you want to get them when they're worn down. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like going in last. I think that they're, really? they're tired. No, and I don't like going in first either. It, you know, it's the start of the day. I, I, when I I direct too, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I'm a professor, I'm a director, producer. So I direct, and and when I come, when I bring actors into a room, I want to see see what their first take at it is. Give them a slight adjustment, if any, mm-hmm. and then converse mm-hmm. because. We're spending time together. We're spending four to five weeks together. So much and time. And I just got to know you're going to play nice in the sandbox with me and with the other team, creative team. Um, and, and everything else is negotiable for me. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you have to have some talent. Um, <laughs> but that's a dime a dozen. It's just really, especially being an actor, so subjective. Um, I think our art form is, um, people think it's the most accessible one um, because uh, Mainly because of television, because you can create some great performances in the editing room, right? Yeah. But I think the the true uh, balance, uh, the the truth teller is stage, to be able Mm -hmm. to sustain the character on stage. 
And so I am very interested in, in knowing what somebody is going to bring to the process. Because um, I got, you know, I, I shot the, uh, I shot Sacrifice yesterday and there was no conversation about character development. I was expecting right. to come in to know what I'm going to do. But with theater, you have to be able to converse with people and challenge yeah. people if they're going to challenge you. And so you, you have to spend some time with them in the rehearsal, in the audition room to see where they are and how mm-hmm. they think. Yep. I I think I say it almost every episode, but it's the truth. If you ever feel like act, something's wrong with your acting and you don't know what you're doing anymore, you have to go back to theater. You got to go back to the stage. You got to figure it out. You got to work it out. You got to spend the time, put it in the work. Yeah. Or, and, or transition, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think that a lot of people are told, like, you, I can't pick, I can't sit at a piano and start playing. Right. right. Um, acting is not given the same reverence. Um, but it should mm-hmm. because it's difficult to embody mm-hmm. uh, the realness and, uh, you know, the, the I think people are four-dimensional. Um, and, I, I, and I think the people who really are attuned to that and really care about the human condition are probably the best artists because they, they're, they're paying something every time they do it. Yeah. Uh, Folks who are want to be entertainers or famous, there's room for that too. But there's also a lane. Stay in that lane. Mm-hmm. And this work that, like the work we did on Lovecraft Country, that's that's a whole different lane. Yeah, that's a whole different lane. Even on Cobra Kai, I mean, the, the the work that those those kids have been doing that show for five years. They've grown up on that show. They are amazing artists, amazing artists. Mm-hmm. And so, but they don't they do the work. Mm-hmm. They do the work. Um, speaking of doing the work, let's talk a little bit about your new show, uh, Terror Lake Drive. Terror Lake Drive. On All Black. Um, black female. Yeah. Tell me all about it. Well, Jerry Lamont is my man. He is the, well, he, he, he is his, uh, his partner, uh, Kawana Marie. They, they created this, this show. And I, it was one of the first shows, if not the first show, to shoot in Atlanta during the pandemic first season right wow. and so i remember i think i auditioned for the first season didn't get it but it was um everybody was curious what they were going to do you know and then tyler perry had his but tyler perry could afford to create a bubble and just right. have everybody you know on uh on site and staying the night or whatever uh Terry lake drive can't do that <laughs> <laughs> and so when i watched the first season it, it was i thought it was well done i thought it was and not even just considering what we were, what we were going through, I thought it was a well-done, suspenseful series. Uh, mm. I, I, I did not know where it was going. I did not know it was going to be talking about mental health and um, depression. And, 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 you know, it, it, so this second season, when I uh, was offered the, the role of, of, of the captain, which I get a lot of now, uh, uh, this authoritative kind of character, uh, I was just excited to to have an arc, you know? Yeah. Um, it's probably the most episodes I've done of a series thus far. I think seven, you know. Um, but like my first day there, it, it, long scenes, yeah. long scenes, and and I I love the pressure of script changes on set and, and and figuring that out. And Jerry just gave us space to to explore. You know, most of my scenes were with Michael, my, uh, and he's a really. It's nice to do a scene with a really good actor. 
Yeah. You know, to somebody who is who is there with you, who's willing to play, who can be physical if you need them to be physical. Um, uh, and, and so uh, the show is 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 scary a little bit. It's going to get scarier. It's, it's ominous. Um, and I was also excited about way, working with my friend Pascal Armand, who's the lead in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known Pascal. I met Pascal when I did a Raisin in the Sun in Hartford. And it all comes full circle, y'all. See what I'm saying? She came to see somebody else, and I met her, and I was like, "Who is this beautiful Haitian sister?" And it was it was her, and we've been we've been friends ever since. And she does some great work. She's a Tony nominated actor. Amazing. I've, I've been a fan of her work for a long time, so it's it's nice to see her in front of the camera doing doing the work. So yeah, a terrible. And both of you, you know, working together and succeeding together and making art together yeah. again, yeah. amazing. Um, well, this has been a wonderful conversation and I'm so happy that I got to talk to you today. Uh, where can people follow you on social media to keep up with all of the wonderful things that you're doing? Well, before I answer that question, I have one more story. Oh, you do? Do I have time for one more story? Yes, you do. Of course. Okay. So remember I was telling you the story about being in Forever Free, the, the Black South Carolina Regiment? Oh, wait. Yes. That, okay. We're, we're going back. Yako, right? We're going back. We're going back. So I did that play, right? And we toured, I mean, we went to small towns, right? So I like to ask people where they're from. And they'll say, oh, I'm from a town. You don't know it. I said, try me. So one of my students at the time, his name is DeAnthony Shaw. He said, I'm, uh, you don't know where I'm from. I said, where are you from, man? He said, I'm from Paducah, Paducah, Kentucky. I said, I've been there. Said, I've actually performed there. He said, no, no, you haven't. I said, I performed at a convention center there. He said, what? I saw my first play there. Maybe you want to be an actor. I said, what was the play? He said, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a scene where this they were doing this quarterstaff thing and this guy turned around and he flipped the guy over the back. And I said, that was me flipping the guy over the back. He said, what? Oh my God. I said, yeah, that was me, man. So... <laughs> Oh my God. I just, I love, I love intersections like that. You know, you never know who you're impacting. You never know. I, I could have been a jerk that day. I could have had a bad day. But the thing that I, what, the thing that happened was I inspired somebody to pursue a life in his art. Now, whether he did that or not, uh, or still doing it, it's questionable. Mm. But we got a, I got a chance to cast him in a couple of things while he was in college here and, uh, I mean, he was one of the first students I met when I got to campus. He was having financial difficulties. I walked him over to Morehouse and and not knowing that this man had seen me 10 years earlier in a play. And that you had made such an impression on him mm-hmm. and his life. Mm-hmm. And just from that one play. And that's what's so beautiful about what we do is that. So beautiful. We can so beautiful. touch someone in front of a screen or someone on stage or, you mm-hmm. know thousands of miles away and just one thing can change how they yeah. feel about certain things or who they, what they feel about themselves. It's yeah. so stunning. It's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that story. Of course. Thank so you for sharing it. So people can find it. me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Arthur Bolden. Um, that's my handle on all social media platforms. So use Instagram mostly and, and Facebook. Um, yeah. Twitter a little bit, but I don't, I, I like to, uh, I like to really know what people are thinking. So I, I like Facebook because people post and write things still. Yeah, they the other they ones, write paragraphs. Kind of you know, yeah. 
Um, I have so enjoyed talking to you and I cannot wait to see um, all of the fantastic things that you accomplish and make and continue to, you know, let your light shine through. Um, So thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you again to Keith for coming on the show. Watch his new TV series, Terror Lake Drive on All Black. Um, I'm very excited to watch it. I love a good murder mystery. Is it a murder mystery? I guess it kind of is. Um, I'm very excited to watch it. And I'm so excited to see what Keith does because, um, gosh, what a beautiful soul he has. I felt like, you know, when you talk to somebody and like their joy and and kindness gets into your body and you feel like this elation that's that's how I felt talking to him I felt like I was like in a bubble um great well everyone tune in next week uh we have another fantastic guest on the show next week she is the star of a Disney series that is currently on Disney Channel and uh yeah make sure to uh give us some love and as always thanks for coming in Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.